Hi, I'm David, and I'm the host of the Cool Jobs Podcast, a conversation where we dive deep into some of the coolest jobs on the planet. This is the home for jobs you've never heard of, or ones you never thought about before. This podcast is for students, learners, dreamers, or anyone who's interested in finding out about the coolest jobs around. I'll be speaking with experts across a wide spectrum of career possibilities with the hope that you'll find inspiration for your own career. Thanks for joining in. I'm your host, David Earnhardt, Associate Director for Employer Relations at UNC Asheville. And joining me today is Karen Clymer, real estate school owner. Karen, thanks for joining us for the Cool Jobs Podcast. We're super excited you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Excellent. Well, first things first, you know, kind of tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to be where you are. Okay, so right now I own a real estate school in Orlando, Florida called Dimitri School of Real Estate. And, and when I was a kid, I grew up in a re real estate family. Mm. Uh, my grandfather was a home builder. My, uh, my mom owned a real estate school. My dad was a real estate agent. And everybody on my mom's side of the family was in real estate. Um, I can remember as a kid going to my grandparents' house and like for a holiday or something, we would all eat and visit and everything. And then they would like pull out plans for a, an apartment complex they're building and, you know, talk <laughs> about it. And initially, I, I, I guess I kind of always knew I would end up in real estate, but I resisted it initially. <laughs> you can't do what you've been, ra been raised around, right? It, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I studied music in college. And my, I auditioned for the Marine Corps band program and I won the audition and that's what I wanted to do. But I had a brain injury when I was an infant mm. and from an accident and the military knew this and they had approved me from a medical standpoint, even before I auditioned, they wouldn't let me audition until I got past that. Sure. And then the day I was supposed to leave for boot camp, I was at a military base in Tampa, and then I was going to go to Paris Island. And the last doctor I talked to looked at my paperwork, and he was like, "Who approved this? <laughs> you know, how did this get through?" And and that was it. It was just really? over. They they drove me back to Orlando, hmm. and and that was pretty devastating. I, I can was, imagine you know, I was just like lost and didn't quite know what to do with my life. Especially I can and, imagine since you had, I mean, you had so many clearances before that and then uh, to have right. it, the rug and, kind of ripped out from under you. Right. And it had, I had been talking to them for probably nine months or so. I mean, it, it was a long process, um, but I had done an internship at the Kennedy center for the performing arts mm. in DC and in arts administration. And so then I decided I would do that. So I got a job at the local opera company in Orlando in fundraising. And I worked in fundraising for several years with different arts organizations, social service and other things. And I worked as a freelancer for a while doing that, like writing grant proposals and uh, managing fundraising campaigns and fundraising trainings, that type of thing. Then I eventually got my real estate license <laughs> and <laughs> I, I w got it. I wish I had a better explanation, but really it was just because my dad owned the real estate school 
and it was convenient. It was free. It just seemed like the thing I was supposed to do, <laughs> you know. So I got my real estate license, and I, I worked at a timeshare resort selling timeshare. That's a, a huge business in Orlando. And I sold timeshare face-to-face -face for a, a little while. Then I went on the phones and sold it over the phone. And after I had been doing that for like maybe five or six months or something, one of the sales trainers came to me and said, hey, Karen, if we opened an internal real estate school, would you be interested in running it? Mm. And this is probably not the way you're supposed to respond to that kind of thing. But I said, I'm completely unqualified. My only qualification is my last name. <laughs> I think in my mind, you know, it was like I needed 10 years of experience or something before sure. I could do that. But um, fortunately, they had confidence in me that I didn't have in myself at that point. And so I got my instructor's license and I ran the real estate school there. And then fast forward to just about a, like a year or two ago, I was working at a different timeshare resort doing the same thing. Mm. And they made a business decision to close their school. Um, you know, training gets cut a lot. Sure. Yeah. And so then I opened my own school. Uh. And I, I named my school Dimitri School of Real Estate because that's the name of my mom's school when I was a kid. Oh, cool. And it's, so I've, you got to I've been doing it, it for about a little bit. <laughs> right. So I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. That's awesome. So uh, I, I think it's totally fine to, uh, to, to lean on your parents' name. I think that there are uh, plenty of people who uh, have done that in, throughout history. So I think that that's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the, the voting confidence or the approval. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> as, as speaking as someone who has a famous last name, at least in the South, uh, I, I get that question often of if, if, uh, I have racing, uh, racing blood, or even if I, you know, if I drive fast myself. So um, that's the only claim to the Earnhardt name that I have is that I, I have a bit of a lead foot, but <laughs> you're a driver. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, kind of take, take us through, you know, so you've, You've been, uh, you know, in the real estate world for a while. You've been a, you've been an agent. You've been a broker. You've kind of done some different, uh, worn some different hats as far as uh, the types of real estate that you sell. And and so, what is it? What is it to be an instructor? Like what? Or excuse me, an instructor and and I guess at some point the actual owner of the school. Like, what is it that you actually do? Well, there's there's two parts of it. There's the teaching part and then the everything else part. Right. <laughs> so for the teaching part, I, I teach a class. It's the class that you need to get a real estate license mm -hmm. or required classes after you get a license, like continuing ed type of things. Mm. And for me, I teach mostly at night and on the weekends. And, you know, it's, it's like four hours a night or, you know, all weekend or something and just teaching the class. And I do individual tutoring as well. And I'm also starting to work on writing some classes. Uh -huh. Then the everything else part of the job <laughs> is 
um, marketing, scheduling classes, mm. registering students, um, just keeping up with different regulations. It's a regulated industry, so the laws change. And, and then just dealing with the unexpected issues that happen in any business. Um, like we had the statewide shutdown. Mm-hmm. And for us, our, our classes had to be in person. And so we couldn't just open a, a Zoom account and start live stream, you know, because right. it's, it's regulated. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's just kind of a process to get it approved by the state. Yeah. And um, it, it's the kind of thing where just when you think everything's working, you got it under control, then something happens that <laughs> liven things up. <laughs> I would think that uh, a once in a century global pandemic probably wasn't in your business plan, though, right? Right. <laughs> That wasn't a contingency that you had planned for. <laughs> right. I, I know what to do if there's a hurricane and I have to cancel class, but that's a one day thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would imagine your disaster plan did not involve multiple months of <laughs> right. being, being shut down. Well, so, you know, if, if for someone who might be interested in, in thinking about being a real estate agent or, or being in, in some form of a, a real estate um, function, what would it take to, to get a license? What is that? I mean, you mentioned the class, but I mean, what is it that you learn in that class? Well, you do not learn how to be a real estate agent. You learn about the laws and um, regulations and stuff. It's not like sales, like how to to close deals mm. and that sort of thing. How to bake, how, how to bake warm cookies for the, for the uh, open houses. They don't teach you that in the, in no. the school. Uh, come on. <laughs> Should I add that to my class? You know what? I think you might get a whole other type of clientele then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's just, uh, it, it, it's just, you know, just kind of the laws and the principles and practice and math. And then in most states, every state's a little different, but most states you have to take a class and then take a state exam. And then you just find a broker or a company to work for. Hmm. And then usually you're on your own. It, it kind of depends <laughs> where you work. You know, sometimes it's more structured and you're an employee, but a lot of times you're an independent contractor and you, kind of on your own, but with guidance. Sure. Absolutely. I would imagine that um, it might feel a little uh, disorienting maybe for folks whenever they first get into, into the business, because I think, you know, we get used to some of these shows on like TLC and, and, you know, flip or flop or these, uh, these million dollar listing shows where, you know, uh, there's, there's a very idealized version of what a real estate agent does uh, right. in, in comparison to uh, <laughs> what reality actually is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true of every reality TV show, That's... <laughs> not any industry. How separated from reality they actually are. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, I'm curious about that. When you get folks who are interested in getting their license and, and getting in, do you have to do some of that kind of expectation setting as far as, you know, how the real world actually is? Yes, sometimes, um, because a lot of people don't realize that they're kind of starting their own small business. So it costs money. Right. And 
they come from a like a corporate environment or something where you know they go to work and get a, a salary or whatever so it, it, it's just sort of foreign to them and also nobody cares what you do in terms of you know if you want to work five hours a week that's fine mm. you probably won't be very successful but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, nobody's going to force you to work more than that. Sure. And so sometimes people are surprised by that. Mm. You know, they, they kind of need someone to, to tell them what to do or a little bit of structure. That makes sense. Yeah. I can imagine that uh, some of it is uh, being, uh, being kind of your own boss and, and right. learning how to be an entrepreneur, which is a very, uh, which is an entire set of skills in and of itself, for sure. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so, you know, as let's put on your other hat for a minute as, as the owner of a school and as someone who uh, uh, is building curriculum and thinking about the ways that you're going to, uh, to shift because of uh, global uh, pandemics and, and that kind of thing, you know, take me through the process of your actual job itself. You know, who are the people that you kind of work the most closely with? Uh, how do you find clients? What's the, take us through the actual uh, kind of nuts and bolts of, of your process. Because I think that's an interesting uh, concept for folks to think about, like, you know, just hang your shingle out on the wall and people will show. Right. <laughs> right. Well, for me, most of my classes are in the evenings and on weekends. So that is scheduled time that, you know, I have to be there. Mm. And then I do all of the business aspects during the day. And in terms of finding clients, like finding students, for me, most of the time they're looking for me. And by that, I mean, they've decided to come to, to get a real estate license, to go to real estate school. I just have to convince them to come to Dimitri's School of Real Estate instead of one of my competitors. Got it. Sometimes I try to get people to get a real estate license, but that's not the normal thing. But then to get the students, I to get referrals, I keep up with past students. And I work with real estate brokers in the area who will refer students to me. I have a YouTube channel where oh, I wow. teach real estate math and I get a ton of calls from that. <laughs> and I, I have a blog where that's, you know, geared toward either people looking to get into real estate or people who just got into real estate and kind of my whole marketing style is I'm not going to buy a full page ad telling you how great I am. I'm going to, just put my content out there and let you decide for yourself. And that kind of marketing has worked for me. Sure. Um, I also work with other real estate brokers to sometimes to offer classes for them or to help students find jobs. And it's, I mean, I'm, I'm not like a career placement agency. That's not a, you know, part of my school, but sure. if somebody's looking for a, a good broker in a certain part of town or whatever, and I can sure. make a phone call to help them, then I'm happy to do that. That makes sense. Yeah. 
so you've mentioned this a couple of times and I've always been curious, what is real estate math? I'm, I'm very curious about, uh, because I am not even a, uh, middle school math, much less a real estate school math. <laughs> well, what is, what is that? the most important math, as far as I'm concerned is how do you figure the commission? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, 3% or 6%. I can, uh, right. I can get down with that. Yeah. <laughs> and the most important math in real life for the customer is, how much, depending if they're the buyer or seller, it's the either how much do I need or how much am I going to get? Sure. But on the state exam, there's math about um, some taxes, commission, figuring out how many lots would fit in an acre. You know, if this is mm. the size lot, how many of them can you can put put on this, you know, put in an acre. Um a little bit of mortgage stuff and it's not difficult math I, I mean i always say if you can add subtract multiply and divide got it that's all you need to know how to do but they're word problems sure so sometimes just figuring out the story is more difficult <laughs> than doing the actual math problem right that makes sense that makes sense uh if someone is uh, has two incomes and one dog and they are interested in having two houses on one plot. Yeah, I could totally, totally see how that works. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. And I, and I, I think uh, I, I remember buying my own house and I remember thinking, I'm really glad somebody else knows what they're doing because I would have no clue how to do this. <laughs> and a lot of times in real life, the agent doesn't need to know how to do, do it either because there's an app that you just plug in the numbers and the computer figures it out, mm -hmm. or it's not the real estate agent's job. It's the title company or the mortgage broker or somebody else. But they also probably need to explain it to their client, right? As far as like where the, where the, the, the figures are coming from and, and uh, having that baseline understanding is probably super important. Right. And to an extent, one thing in real estate is people don't like to explain things that, they're not supposed to explain. Like uh -huh. if somebody says, well, is this tax deductible? Well, I don't know. Talk to your accountant. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so there's a lot of that or it's just kind of like, I, I know, but I can't tell you because that's, that's, I'm, legally I can't tell you. Far too many variables involved. <laughs> right. <laughs> that makes sense. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, so let, take us through. So someone has taken the class and they've, you know, they're interested in being an agent and they, uh, you know, they, they are gaining a little bit of success, uh, you know, in a, it, with a broker with, at, on, at, on their own as a, as an agent, how does somebody grow um, in, in the profession of real estate and also uh, potentially to be uh, an owner of their own real estate school? Well, my situation was kind of unique. As I mentioned, I was sort of born into this profession. Um, <laughs> you were born to do it. I like it. <laughs> when, when I was a kid, my mom owned a real estate school. And when I was an adult, my dad owned a real estate school. I think so, uh, that should be part of your sales pitch, if I'm being honest. Like, <laughs> born um, to do it. I like it. Right. And so, you know, I've just spent a million hours sitting in a real estate classroom. So it just... I mean, I knew from my earliest memory that it was a, a potential job, like this job existed. Sure. But what really got me into it was when the original sales trainer I mentioned asked me if we opened a school, would you run it? And 
I'm very grateful that at that time I was working for a company that that recognized transferable skills. Mm. They said, you know, maybe you don't have experience in this particular role, but you have the skills and the personality to do the job. And and I'm also grateful that there were people in the company that believed in me and, and pushed me to do it. Now, as far as how someone grows into the position, again, I was also in a unique situation in that I had more credibility than I deserved. I, I think initially just because people knew my parents were instructors and my dad was very well known in the industry and I had the, the same last name as him. And I would call him all the time. And I, I mean, I'm sure I made a million mistakes in the first class I taught and I would call him after work and say, this is what happened in the class. What should I have done? Like, this is right. what I did. What should I have done? How could I have done it better? Or if I was preparing for a future class, I could say, this is what I'm planning to do. Is this what you would do? Sure. <laughs> that kind of thing. And I think like it was super easy for me because it was my parents, but even if it's not, you can always find a mentor. I think even like when I was in fundraising and other things, I I found that if you're good at what you do, people will be glad to help you. Mm. And especially if you're willing to just like honor the relationship and honor the advice they give you, maybe not necessarily take all of it, but at least (laughs) consider it. And and, they know you're thinking about it. Then I think people are happy to help. It makes it makes a lot of sense, and it's actually something that we suggest a lot. And and it is to you know kind of kind of start with the people that you know, and a lot of people that you know include the people that you grew up with and in your mm-hmm. house, and uh, and so working working starting with a network that is uh, related to you is absolutely was something that we would recommend to do. So uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think you should feel no uh, shame about it about that uh, part of. Um, your background. I think that works out really well. Um, and so, you know, you've, you work your network a little bit and you, and you find a mentor. And, and I think that is a, that's a really key piece of information is to, is to say, there are people who know how to do this and there are folks who are willing to help me do these things. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really powerful because I think it can, especially I would imagine if you're in business for yourself and you're kind of working uh, I, I, you know, f- on your own, uh, in your own little space, it can feel really isolating, I would imagine. And so having someone who uh, is in your corner, so to speak, uh, can be really helpful. Right. Yeah. And another thing too, is I know real estate owner, real estate school owners in other states. And sometimes I'll call them and ask them what they're doing. And they're always happy to help and I'm happy to help them because we're not competitors. Right. You know, we have totally different markets. (laughs) (laughs) And regulations in school. Right. Yeah, each state's gonna be a little different. So reaching out inside of your own professional network as well is is another awesome piece of information. Yeah. uh, Advice, I like that. So, you know, uh, you've talked a lot about, you know, kind of, you know, started off with the Marine Corps band and then that didn't, uh, that didn't go the way that you had hoped and, uh, you know, kind of bounced around a couple of different, uh, positions and things, uh, before kind of getting in, getting into, uh, the real estate side of things. What do you, what is it about real estate that, that just kind of sticks for you? Like, what is it that, uh, makes, 
it makes it feel um, fulfilling and natural for you? Mm-hmm. I think there's a few things. I think every job has a certain amount of repetition and a certain amount of variety. Mm. And I think everybody has a, a certain amount of tolerance for each of those. Like when I'm teaching the class, the material I teach is the same mm-hmm. all the time. So that's the repetitious part. But then the students are always different. They have different questions and you know, sometimes they don't understand my normal example. So I have to come up with a different example. And I think it's just kind of the right mix in that regard. And I also think that all jobs have some components that are comfortable. Like you could do this in your sleep Mm. and then other things that are challenging. And I think it's kind of the right ratio for me of this stuff is easy. And this is the part that really pushes me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> well, now I'm curious, what is something that kind of pushes you out of your comfort zone? I, I'm, I'm interested to, to see uh, what that is. Well, I, I do remember the first hurricane when mm. I opened my school, then if, if we cancel class, we have to make it up because we have to have a certain amount of hours. And in every other job I've had, the, the the company makes the decision. It just, you know, you somehow get this alert that don't come to work today. Sure. And, <laughs> you know, that's easy. But, but in this case, I was the one that had to make the decision. Like, mm-hmm. do we cancel class and try to reschedule it? Or are we going to have the class? And, you know, and it, it's just just, you know, when you have to make the decision, it's different. (laughs) Or with the live stream classes, that was definitely out of my comfort zone. And and it still is somewhat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think that anybody is really uh, uh, comfortable being uh, on screen uh, and having um, the concern of spinach in the teeth and, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) anything hanging out of my nose, those types of things. (laughs) Right. <laughs> regardless of your profession so <laughs> that's awesome i like the i like the thought that that you know some of the things that continue to challenge you are things that are kind of outside of of the sphere of the position itself it sounds like it's it's more um outside influences or stimuli that uh are the challenging pieces that um i could imagine uh makes you flex a different set of muscles uh, mm-hmm. in those. And, and sometimes it's internal. I mean, sometimes I'll have a, a student, a, a challenging student, and sometimes it's challenging because they're just not understanding, you know, and, and it just, I just have to like keep coming up with ways to explain it, you know, to try to make it make sense. And then other times it's challenging more of a behavioral thing. And, um, and, and, you know, just kind of navigating that kind of, of stuff. It's like, you know, just kind of makes it interesting. Yeah. I like that. I, and I think there's a lot to that too, right. Of, of having, um, having different, different challenges that are in a similar fashion, right? Like the, you mentioned students that you have a different set of students every uh, certain number of weeks and, and um, 
you can kind of anticipate, I would imagine that there'll be certain, certain pieces of your curriculum that are going to stick a lot of people, but it's going to stick, they're going to get stuck in a lot of different ways, which I can imagine is, is really kind of compelling right? for that. That's awesome. So I'm kind of curious based on the types of different roles that you've had and, and uh, you know, kind of where you've, where you've gone in your career um, about an idea that you had, um, you know, that you thought was, man, this is going to be a total winner. This is going to absolutely blow the doors off the place. And uh, it didn't actually work out. Uh, and then maybe an idea that you thought, yeah, I'll just take a flyer on it. And holy cow, it totally worked. Okay. So the one that I thought would work better than it did would be live stream classes. Uh-huh. Um, in, in March of, of 2020, you know, that was kind of when COVID was like businesses were starting to close and kind of rethink things. And then Disney World closed, which... Mm it doesn't get any bigger than that in okay. Orlando. <laughs> so people are like, okay, maybe this is serious. <laughs> and my class was eight weeks long and we were probably about halfway through the class or so. And, you know, sometimes people would call and say, are we having class tonight? Or when they showed up, they say, why can't we just do this on Zoom? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But legally we had to be, in that room. And if we skipped class, we had to make it up at some point. So I've, you know, I I mean, I just told him that we had to be there. There wasn't much I could do, but then behind the scenes, I was working, you know, to try to get the course approved for live stream and get the platform set up with the curriculum developer and everything. And then once everything was set there then I went back to the class and one night and I said you know this is the good news guys this is the last in-person class we're switching to live stream every single one of them was disappointed oh no they said we want to keep coming to class (laughs) (laughs) so so we continued to have class probably for about another week and then the government uh, our county had a shutdown so that we had to switch to live stream and Uh. That's got to feel like crushing. You did all this work and then people were like, womp, womp, <laughs> not interested. But even and then our, our state was shut down for, I'm not sure, like a month or two. But then once it opened back up, I've been surprised that more people want in-person classes than live stream. Hmm. I would have expected the demand to be more equal. Sure. Um, yeah, I know for me, when I was in grad school, I, I had one online class and that one online class was my worst class. I just, for whatever reason, I, I, it was too easy for me to put things off and forget about things. And, and uh, I just, I, I did not do as well with that as I was, did in person. Right. And I'm sure that the, stu- the students listening to this podcast are uh, much better than I am uh, ever was <laughs> about being online. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, but an idea that I had that worked way better than I thought mm-hmm. was uh, my YouTube videos. Mm. I actually made them before I opened my school. I, I was working at the Timeshare Resort. And these videos are just me literally standing at a whiteboard, just doing math and, you know, explaining it while I'm doing it. 
and they don't mention my school name because I made them before that, sure. but they have my phone number. Yeah. And I knew that they would work, but I didn't know, like, I thought a hundred people would watch them. <laughs> and I think if I thought more than that would have watched them, I wouldn't have had the confidence to make them. <laughs> I would have just been too scared. <laughs> But my best video now, it's been up for like two years and it has 78,000 views. No kidding. And when I go to real estate functions, like sometimes literally strangers will come up to me and say, hey, I was watching your videos. You helped me pass the test. And, <laughs> and I'm positive if I knew that was going to happen, I wouldn't have made them. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I just would have been too scared. So I'm glad I didn't know that. Because <laughs> they've become my best marketing thing. That's amazing. Yeah. So tell me you signed that person's autograph. Like, tell me that they asked you to like sign their like book at the conference. Well, they have, <laughs> people have asked me for selfies, which just cracks me up and I do it. <laughs> like, if you knew how unfamous I really am. <laughs> Well, that's it though, right? I mean, I think that there is, uh, that's one of the mar the marvels of YouTube and some of the, um, you know, content creation just as a, as a, uh, an entity, there is this idea that people uh, can attach to it based mm -hmm. on their own, on their uh what they need and what they're coming to from it it's not like you have to uh really like the storyline of dallas you know like or uh, gosh i use references 40 years old um <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to fall in love with a a, a specific character in a specific tv show right that it, right you, uh you can kind of seek it out and and find um find connection with people uh right based on your own interests so um i'm not surprised at all people want selfies with you <laughs> <laughs> you should have like a you should have like a special like t-shirt with like a superman logo on it or something for whenever you get uh <laughs> get approached you can pop it open <laughs> show your show your logo <laughs> well <clears throat> So this uh, this podcast is kind of geared uh, to the student toward the students at UNC Asheville. Um, we we do distribute it nationally, so hopefully there are some folks outside of the Asheville region listening right now. But uh, I'm just kind of curious. You know, the UNC Asheville is the the public liberal arts and sciences university for uh, the North Carolina system, um, and so one of the things that we find often is kind of conveying. Um, the power uh, of, of a liberal arts degree. And, and, um, and I'm just kind of curious uh, for you, uh, ha having a, a, an undergraduate degree in a liberal art, I'm just kind of curious uh, how you'd say that you used your education uh, to get to where you are. Okay. Well, I'm, I went to the University of Alabama roll tide. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have a bachelor of music degree bachelor of music degree so by studying music i learned it just the, the type of the the intense level of hard work that it takes to become successful hmm. um there's there are plenty of times where you don't want to practice music i mean <laughs> sometimes you're in this little 10 by 10 room you know no windows it's late at night and you're repeating the same thing over and over and I mean honestly that's not that fun <laughs> but that's what you have to do to get good at it uh, sure and 
And it also taught me that before you can be good at something, you have to suck at it for a long time. <laughs> and you have to be willing to do that. <laughs> It's fun to be good at it, but it's not fun to get good at it. Mm, I can uh, imagine that 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 mantra right there would be any musical instrument that I picked up. It wouldn't matter what it was. I would suck at it for a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it also taught me that to get good at something, you you have to be intentional. You can't just keep doing it. Like if I just taught the same class over and over, I would get better at it, but then you get to a plateau. Mm. But you have to kind of intentionally be trying to get better at it in order, mm. you know, to really get good. Nice. But then also outside of music and in college, I was just grateful for the broad range of classes I had and just kind of the extracurricular activities, the different opportunities that I had in college. And after probably like six or seven years after I graduated from Alabama, then I started an MBA program at Rollins College, which is a small liberal arts college in Orlando. And, you know, that was a great experience as well. That was as well. I did that part time. I think it like it took two or three years. Sure. So you've got it. You're steeped in the education of the liberal arts. I like that. Right. <laughs> Or liberal arts colleges, anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, something that I, I always like doing in this podcast is, um, whenever I interview someone who has a cool job that I that I that I like to you know kind of dig deep into and and learn more about, um, I always think about folks potentially knowing other people or having seen jobs that, uh, you know, maybe it was a client that you've had or something uh, where you're like, gosh, that's a really cool job. That's neat. I really like that. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, who you think uh, has a cool job. Well, I know a few people with cool jobs. A lot of people actually. (laughs) Um, I'm super into politics Hmm. and I have a friend who's a political operative. Um, so she manages campaigns and that kind of thing. And I think it's cool because it's a it's a behind the scenes type of job. Mm. Like we see politicians on TV and in the news and that kind of thing. But the behind the scenes is really where it happens. Sure. Good and bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think... I think the behind the scene kind of jobs are cool. That's awesome. And uh, and another thing, I didn't mention this earlier, but I have a kind of a part-time job as a, a children's entertainer. I, I make balloon animals. Oh, how cool is that? But before you judge me, look at my <laughs> website. <laughs> They're not dogs and swords, I promise. Um, <laughs> But and there was one year in my life where I did that full time, but mostly it's just kind of been a side side gig. Sure. And it, so I know people that are like Ronald McDonald or former Ringling Clowns, mm. you know, Stilt Walkers, Ventriloquists, sure. that kind of thing. Um, and and that's a cool job. And I mean, it, it's just a fun, you know, it's a fun job, and and totally different from what most people think of as a job. <laughs> All right. So we have to dig into this a little bit. I, I can't okay. let that, <laughs> I can't let that go. So uh, wh- 
what is a balloon artist? Uh, you, you mentioned that you said it's more than dogs and swords. And so I'm, I'm curious, uh, maybe what's the, what's the most interesting thing you've ever done? And uh, what is it, what do you do as a, as a children's entertainer that uh, makes uh, balloon art? Well, so th this past year I've done nothing because of the <laughs> pandemic, but yeah, prior a lot to of in-person uh, <laughs> <laughs> prior to that, it, it, it kind of different things. Um, sometimes it's like we call it line work where like at a festival or something where the mm -hmm. kids just get in line uh -huh. and you know, the kid says, I want a princess, you know, so you make that and then and just, you know, just go through the line, making everyone balloon animals. Sure. Um, I also do birthday parties or restaurants, but my favorite thing to do is library shows in the summer library shows and all libraries or most libraries have a summer reading program for kids mm -hmm. and so they'll they'll bring in entertainers and it's a I called it Karen Clymer's crazy balloon show <laughs> and it's just a 45 minute show that's everything involves balloons so I would tell a story like let's say the three little pigs mm-hmm but then the, I would make the houses out of balloons and the kids would be the actors and the, uh. the costumes would be made out of balloons. <laughs> and I would do some stories like that that they know and then some that they don't know and then do some magic tricks that involve balloons. And then the, I've, the like one thing that's always been in my show is I blow up a six foot balloon uh -huh. Um, I, I use a leaf blower to blow it up <laughs> six feet around <laughs> and then climb inside it. No kidding. That's awesome. So. That is a, that is a cool, uh, that's more than you're right. That's more than just, uh, uh, poodles and swords. I think that's, right. <laughs> that's a big deal. <laughs> there's a there's a youtube channel i don't not sure if you're familiar with it it's called the slow-mo guys and um they had one of those six foot balloons and they blew it up with someone inside it and then they they blew it up so much that uh they that it popped and they they shot it in slow motion so you see the rip like cutting across the balloon and then like he's standing in like a very uh in a in a pose inside of the balloon as it's popping and it's a cool yeah. like it's a funny visual uh so i'm picturing that as you're getting into a giant balloon yeah i haven't seen that but i'll look it up yeah it's fun it's they're, they're you know it's one of these mythbuster type shows and it's all right. in slow motion so they, they they do fun stuff with that but that was what i was picturing when you're talking about a, a six foot balloon <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and I, I tell kids it's the biggest, the world's biggest balloon, and to them it probably is yeah, the biggest I... balloon they've ever seen. <laughs> I, I think even for a lot of the adults, it's the biggest balloon they've ever seen. <laughs> well, I've never seen a six-foot balloon, so uh, a, a balloon the size of my bed, yeah, I think that's a pretty big balloon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Thanks for the, thanks for sharing your that that cool job stuff with us because I think uh, there's so many different things that people can do and so many different ways uh, that people can can find a living and that's one of the reasons that I do this podcast is because there's so many different angles that folks uh, can can find to make a living and and have some fun while they're doing it. So, right, uh, and I think there's so many ways you can create your own job. That's it. I, I feel that's like awesome. half my life I've kind of made my own job. <laughs> 
Well, I think that's even better. Uh, you know, you get to be uh, very entrepreneurial and and having that kind of entrepreneurial thought too, right? Of you know, problem solving and and figuring out uh, how to how to get from A to B. That that's a that's a skill set that not everyone is is born with. And so, mm-hmm. um, I think that's an awesome uh, awesome part of the work that you do. So, well, thank you. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for, you know, being, uh, being a part of this podcast. I'm really excited uh, that you were part of it. Um, how can our listeners learn more about you and the uh, Dimitri, Dimitri School? Sorry. Well, um, my website is DimitriRealEstateSchool.com. Mm-hmm. And Dimitri is spelled D-E-M-E-T-R-E-E, RealEstateSchool.com. Mm-hmm. Um, my email is Karen at DimitriSchool.com. Sure. And if you want to see my balloon art, <laughs> it's yes, at, it's at uh, balloontwisterorlando.com. That's awesome. Balloon Twister Orlando. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> now, here's, the, here's what you really need to be able to do is figure out a way to teach balloon uh, art at the same time you're teaching real estate law. I think that uh, there's a, a hybrid market there that uh, is untapped. <laughs> Well, you know, in in real estate, there's something called a balloon a, a balloon payment at the end of a mortgage, and I've tried to come up with a way to use my balloon twisting skills, but haven't quite figured it out. Well, maybe a six foot balloon. Maybe that's the way you do it. Uh, well, Karen, you've been you've been wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and expertise and uh, cool job with us. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Cool Jobs Podcast, a service of the Career Center at UNC Asheville. Like what you heard? Give us a like, share with your friends, and subscribe. Next week, we'll be talking to Allie Plyder, romance novelist. So make sure to check it out. We'll see you next time.